remember when we shot our first episode a couple of years ago, you're, you were a little bit hesitant about sharing the time that you took off before starting 1843. You're a little bit hesitant about sharing a little more of the personal narrative. And then I saw your Forbes video. I was like, that's a completely different person. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was this amazing like integration of your full career and then yes. who you are as an individual. But I'm just, you know, just curious to hear just kind of, you know, what your thought process was and just kind of how you evolved into getting that point. Yeah, Jordan, when we talked, one of the things I shared with you is that sometimes when I was having meetings, raising capital, that I was either reluctant to talk about time that I had taken off or felt like there might be some type of bias against me. And I I did have some, when I did mention it, I would have some people um, sort of make some disparaging remarks or it would be the end of the conversation. And obviously, since what I was doing is building something really valuable and I had a lot of great experience, I didn't want something small like that to get in the way of my being successful. But um, subsequently, because we had the conversation during the video, uh, it really sort of opened that door and let me feel like I could really talk about my entire journey. And that included time off and raising children. And, and that is just part of it. And so then when I went to do the video for Forbes, um, it was really interesting. I think that 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 authenticity and that vulnerability and sharing that I was one of those women that had to wait to have the greatest career moment of my life in my fifties because of the time that I had taken with my children. I think that that really hit home with them. And it was one of the reasons that I was chosen first and foremost for the 50 over 50 um, list for Forbes, but then also to why then they used my video as the video on the uh, launch on Morning Joe on MSNBC and made one of my videos, um, one of the prominent featured ones. And so for that, I'm very grateful to you for for encouraging me and giving me that confidence. And and we all should have this kind of confidence. And I think that the more open we are, the more we can get uh, you know, against bias. And, and there is, we all have biases. I mean, I was thinking the other day about how everybody, everybody, if you think of someone, a woman who's 82 years old, you would think of somebody very maybe frail, somebody that you would need to help. Um, but you know, I would be really advise against trying to help Nancy Pelosi across the street. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we just all have these thoughts in our heads about how life should go and what the timeline is. And it doesn't all match up. How did that, um, that moment when you shifted more towards the full version of yourself, maybe during 2019 and 2020, you know, how did that play out either like specifically during meetings or maybe you just your mentality in speaking with, you know, other investors or founders, um, you know, after that, maybe, I don't know if tipping point is the right word, but right. We'll, I will call it a tipping point in, in showing the fuller version of yourself. Like how did that play out in either meetings with investors or other partners or with the founders that you work with? Yeah, I I think that by and large, it really, you know, the more relaxed and open you are, I think the more relaxed and open people who are making investment decisions are. So whether you're a founder or you're raising capital for a fund, I think that, that it's really important to be who you are. And of course, sure, there were still some people that were were sort of very judgmental and concerned about uh, about time off. But my goodness, you know, we're learning so many skill sets during that time, and I think that that ju- that person just wasn't a match then. And I've subsequently 
really come to the realization that, you know, you're, you have to find your matches out there and you have to find people that are aligned with your investment philosophy. And I always say, if a founder comes to me and they have, they're curing cancer, that's not something that we're interested in investing in. So, so we might end up not realizing what we have in passing. Um, and so that's what I feel like sometimes there's investors in, in my fund that maybe necessarily wouldn't be aligned with my thinking or my process. And that's okay. Well, on a similar thread, you know, if there are kind of maybe two questions here, what, what advice would you have for um, people or maybe specifically women who are in their 50s and, or 50s, 60s, 70s um, for that stage of their career? And also the second question, what advice do you have for women who have taken time off and might feel like, hey, I'm a little bit rusty. I don't know if I can get back in the game. And I, I don't even know where to start. I think I have an idea, but I don't even actually know where the heck to start. Um, yeah. So they're two very different questions. Or, yeah, two very different questions. And, you know, maybe on the first one, you know, what advice do you have for people who are over 50? Yeah. And yeah. So on the first one, it's uh, something I've been saying lately, hashtag never too late, right? It, it is never too late. And I am boy, celebrating Forbes for saying, look at all these accomplishments that can happen in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and yes, 80s. Um, it's really exciting. And I think that as we are healthier and we are living longer, we're really going to have to recognize that there is a massive brain trust in people over 50 and that that is still incredibly valuable. And like we were saying, don't cut out half the population that are women. Um, don't cut out most of the population that are people of color. Let's also not cut out the half of the population that's over 50. And uh, so we're seeing in, in, in my field, we're seeing a lot of really interesting technology solutions to help with that. But then your second question is someone who doesn't know where to start and, and doesn't know what to do. And there are, you know, my best advice always to them is, A, think about what you really love to do in high school before people were judging you. Because that'll give you an indication of sort of where your skill sets lie. Because in order to have a successful career, you have to have an intersection of interest and ability. And when you have those two things, it just sort of naturally progresses from there. And I tell women who aren't really necessarily ready to go back to the workforce and still raising their children, just start now dabbling, listen to podcasts that you think are interesting to you that might be in your field, volunteer, because that's something that I had to do when I was building my business. And fortunately, I had been in a, in a great position. I had invested my capital well, and I always recommend that you have three years of cash to get started on a business. Um, I was able to, to work on my business and not take a salary literally for years. And um, sometimes you do have to do that. And, you know, um, I even speak to, to men that are, you know, in financial services and they've stepped back after, after their fifties and said, this isn't for me anymore, but I'm still valuable and I still want to participate. And I think there's lots of different ways, but you have to have that mindset that you're starting over again and you can't let ego get in the way. And you have to say, I'm willing to work for less than or nothing, right? And then also too, I'm going to pursue something that at this point really interests me because that's where my true talents are. So is that helpful? I, I love that. And it yeah. reminds me a lot of the experiences that I've seen with uh, veterans that I work with who have transitioned yes. out of the military. Okay. And the ones who I've, uh, one of the things I think is a, a, a common piece of their success is when they dabble, even if they're like, hey, I'll go work at a private equity firm that doesn't have a fund yet. And I'll just volunteer and just do anything like, you know, it's right. like, 
just let me update your CRM. Let me do your meeting notes. But yeah. that, that dabbling allows people to experiment and yeah. at a very low risk way. And actually one of the books behind me, uh, Fear of Missing Out by Patrick McGinnis. Oh, so yeah. he's a, a good friend and he actually yeah. just did another vlog episode and he had the, uh, a similar, he had a book called 10% Entrepreneur. And you know, that the, the basic concept being that 10% of your time, you can either invest your money or spend right. your time doing it, but to experiment, you don't have to go 100% anything. You can use that mentality to really see in small ways and small risk where you want to go. And Absolutely. so I, I, that idea of volunteering, so maybe women who are you know, wanting to get back after five or 10 years and they might have taken that time off or the, or the, the dads, um, you know, using that time to experiment in small bets yep. and, and saying like, hey, I don't need a 1% advisory fee on your, you know, your startup. Just let me be helpful. Let me do some connections or let me just like help out with copywriting for some blog posts or whatever. Absolutely. Yes. But that experimentation, I think is such a key point. Um, and it's almost, it's interesting because it's like, we have, I think there's this idea, maybe subconsciously that we have to have everything figured out before we're going to try something or experiment. Yeah. Or we know what the outcome is going to be. But yep. your point is spot on. You just like got to dabble and you got to experiment. And um, what? So what have you found in the past, you know, two years? Or maybe can we just kind of give the high level nineteen forty three, um, the the high levelness dive into some you know the journey over the past two years? Yeah. Uh, so we had our first closing three years ago on 1843 Capital on the first closing for our first venture capital fund. And we've made 11 investments subsequently. And a lot of our thesis is centered around technology for the aging. So this is this is all very, uh, you know, cohesive with what I'm trying to do, because we're looking at ways that we can help people through technology, both through the massive caregiver crisis, um, through fall detection, but then also to really capitalizing on a lot of this wonderful brain trust that's out there and, and using technology to maybe companies that would have people as mentors for younger people, because I know that a lot of the problems the people that are millennials and that are Gen Z grapple with now is that they say they're thrust into positions and they don't know what they're doing and they don't have any experience in it. So they're really trying to figure that one out. So that's really, really interesting. Um, we just had a, our first exit in our portfolio. Yep. We invested in a company, Sagely Naturals, which was CBD pain management, and that has had a successful sale. So, so all is going well, and we are looking forward to launching Fund 2, um, which is very exciting, and, and we'll still focus on this area. How how have you how would you characterize the different chapters of the past three years? Like, what is chapter one? Where are you at? You know, what was the next one, and where are you at now? And kind of um, maybe for people who are starting their firms or thinking about it, like, what advice do you have to them for like stage one? Sure, in you know, and 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 chapter one and chapter two and chapter three, it's all sort of like school, like. First you're in kindergarten and first grade, and then you're, you know, and then you get into middle school. And now I feel like we're we're in high school, headed to college here. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's really interesting the maturity. And there are some times when you're just groping in the dark. I mean, when you're first starting out. But the the key is, and I like to say, follow the breadcrumbs. You know that that's always there's there's sometimes there's indicators and there's places where you're going to have success or 
early on. And you really need to just grab onto those and really focus onto those. I used to keep a whiteboard of all the things that were going right when I was building the fund, because a lot of times you would um, have a you know missed opportunity on investment, or we would uh, run into a foundation that would say something awful to us uh, when we were looking for investment. And I'd, I'd go and I'd glance back and that'd say, well, look, you, you know, Mr. Foundation, you weren't interested, but I've got 52 people over here that said that I think that I'm great. So that's, I find really helpful. Um, and that know that it's, you know, you're at the hardest point. It's, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the flywheel effect, but yep. when you first, when you start anything, you just have to recognize that pulling that bar down on the, it's just so hard. And then eventually things get spinning and, and it becomes easier and, and uh, you know, thank goodness that's where we are right now. We're, things are really working and, and we're firing on all cylinders, you know, great team, great product, great opportunity out there. We're in the golden age of venture. So, um, so it's definitely good times. I love that advice. I'm, I'm going to implement that today with <laughs> our family and today with our company yeah. on the, particularly the whiteboard yeah. idea, because yeah. <clears throat> I think, especially as founders, entrepreneurs, owners, you, you, you tend to, and maybe just high performers, like you tend to like, all right, 98% of stuff I'm getting right. I get it. I'm not really interested in that, but no, like you do need to celebrate the things that are going right. right. You do need to celebrate the things that um, are wins, even if they are small, because it's so easy to fo focus on one negative and then it just goes into a, a spiral. Yeah. And then it becomes a mentality that lasts for a month or a quarter or a year. And then you wake up two years later, like, oh my God, like I've actually... I'm a little bit more negative than I used to be. Like, who am I? I? I don't think it's our fault either though, Jordan, because I think we're wired for negativity. We actually don't learn anything from our successes. We learn from things that don't work out. And so that's why it's wired and it's hard imprinted in us that, you know, okay, I made this mistake or this isn't quite good enough. So those are the things that I really need to focus on so that I can get better. So I think at the end of the day, it is a positive thing, but it's all managing it, right? So you don't go too far down into it. So I do think having, having reminders or your successes around is a great, great thing to do. That is going to be in our kitchen. I'm going to have a, <laughs> and also for our kids. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. when the two-year-old and the four-year-old are yelling at us, we, we tend to focus on the negative as opposed yeah. to, hey, you know what? I'm really happy they're alive. <laughs> it's applicable with everything, right? It's applicable with everything. Well, what about the, the breadcrumbs? Like, let's kind of, I think that's a, a good thread to pull on. Um, what are some of the early breadcrumbs that you saw, maybe in terms of your investment thesis or how you thought about assessing individual businesses or whatever, you know, what are some of the early breadcrumbs that you saw that you did follow? And now three years later, like, Hey, that breadcrumb trail was, I'm glad I followed that. Well, when, when I was home raising my kids and, and really despondent because I felt like I had some skill sets and I wasn't using them and I wasn't sure how to even get there. I was, I listened to podcasts about angel investing and this was, God, this was like, you know, like 10 years ago now or 11 years ago, but angel investing was just starting. And when I was a partner at Baker Capital and we had this billion dollar fund, there weren't angel investors. I mean, angel investors were like John Malone putting in 500,000 into a deal that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't people with, you know, smaller balance sheets doing $10,000 checks or $25,000 checks. And so when I heard this podcast, I was like, 
wow, it was almost like it was meant for me. Like I was meant to hear it. And um, then I started to figure out how, how do I do that? And, and I had some things sort of present themselves. My, my, the best investment I've made so far it ended up by being a luncheon that I'd gone to for the, la- for the launch party. It was Beauty Counter. And I met the CEO there who was not looking for capital at that time. I didn't get a deck in the, you know, by email or anything. Um, but I approached her and I said, look, you know, I've been in venture. I, yeah, I think that you're, what you're doing is fantastic. I'd rather really like to be helpful. And she goes, oh, well, you know, we are, we are raising some capital. And I said, I'd love to look at your deck, send it to me. And uh, Beauty Counter just sold a month ago for a billion dollars. And I have a 20 times realized investment in that space. So, so investing in her and then watching her progress showed me, oh, you know what? There is something here. There's some success here. This is, is really is true that women can really do some interesting thing, women CEOs. And, and maybe there is an angle here with me as a woman investor. Maybe I can start to figure this out. And, um, and then also too, on the aging side, I met Wendy Burkhardt, who was starting a company called Silvernest. But at the same time, I was also listening to these McKenzie podcasts, which was fabulous. And they had a podcast on the retirement crisis and the aging crisis that we are, we're facing in the United States. So all these things sort of, and I, I really feel, I really preach and say, you got to find ways to be quiet, whether it's spending time in the woods or spending time with meditation, because it's only those times that then you can be aware when those things are, those breadcrumbs are showing up in your life. And I feel like I'm really good at that. I'm really good at saying, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity. I recognize I'm going to grab it. Um, That's interesting because I, that's one of my biggest struggles is that, uh, is finding that quiet time um, where I I let the ideas uh, freely associate or just um, I have that space. And you know, I accidentally have it if I wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 30 because right. our two-year-old's crying and <laughs> get him and he's in the bed next. Yeah. Okay, I'll put him in the bed next to us. And then I'll be like, yeah. you know, lucid dreaming for 30 minutes. And then ideas will come up. But I realize like what that's actually what's actually happened is it's that undistracted time. Yes. D- have you always been like that? Or did you find it out and you consciously had to build it in that, that time. Yeah, I, I, I very much consciously have, have built that. And I think the real tipping point for me was, um, was when I heard t- a couple of things again, you know, breadcrumbs and things are showing up in your life when you need them. Um, I had heard someone say, if you don't for meditation, if you don't have two, two minutes a day, then you've got much, much bigger problems. And I thought about that and I said, wow, that's really interesting. Two minutes. I've got to try to do it just for two minutes a day. And then I also, about the same time I'd heard that Ray Dalio was very interested in meditation and got to know about the David Lynch foundation and things like that. And I thought, oh my goodness, if Ray Dalio, the, one of the most amazing investors that are out there uh, is doing this, then probably it's not bad for you. (laughs) So so I thought I'd give it a shot. And Uh, also uh, Tim Ferriss. And I think in in one of his books, he kind of synthesized, you know, 500 episodes. And he's like one of the consistent themes in every single high performer they have interviewed was they had some form of meditative practice. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And then, um, I, you know, when I first started the firm, it's probably one of the most difficult things that I've done. And it is, it was, 
absolutely exhausting and stressful. And there was a long time that I wasn't getting any traction at all and, and had a lot of pressure. Um, I had people that had joined me and, and they needed salaries and things like that. And so it was incredibly stressful. And at the same time, my, my son started to go to a confirmation class. And so I started going back to church more and, um, you know, the Bible has been around for a really long time for a reason. And, uh, just, it's nice to, to look back and think that, you know, um, we're on a continuum and that things, things have not really changed in thousands and thousands of years. And so if you're reading, you know, any type of history, whether it's the Bible or stoicism or anything, you, you sort of see that and recognize it. And it's, they've all been pieces in my life that have been really helpful to me. What have been some of the more fulfilling, rewarding parts of your, your journey over the past three years? Maybe it's a particular moment or it's a extended period of time. I got to tell you right now, I am, I am, I am walking on air, Jordan, because first and foremost, because I finally feel like my piece of the puzzle has fit. I feel like we are a big, huge puzzle of 9 billion pieces being the people in this world. And I do honestly feel like we all have a part to play and a piece of the puzzle. And for a long time, you know, you're looking to, and you're trying to discover my corner piece or my one of those pieces with the big long arm on it, um, or am I one of those neat tiny pieces? And uh, I feel like I finally found, I know what my piece is and my piece is in the puzzle and it completely fits. And I feel so excited about what I am building. It seems like just the right time for it. But then also too, those times that I get to take all of my knowledge and all of my platform, you know, because we only invest in, in, you know, maybe three or four companies a year. And yet I talk to hundreds of companies a year. I look at thousands of companies a year. And to the extent that I can get on the phone on Fridays and help a founder, even if it's not someone that I'm investing in and, and move the needle for them even a little bit, that is what really makes me happy. And, um, you know, look, uh, helping the founders that we do invest in too. And, and when I get a chance to either make a customer introduction or help them bring someone on their board, it's, uh, it feels great. So, well, I think this is a lot. We've covered a lot in part two of our vlog. <laughs> I've been taking notes this whole time. I've seen, like it's it's you have some very practical advice here, and uh, every time that we talk, I always like feel a, a sense of uh, calmness, Aww. and like I've thought more critically about life, and it's uh, really it's like a moment when I just really pause and reflect more, and I just I'm, I'm very. Uh, lucky to know you. And mm -hmm. I, I always feel that like our conversations, like uh, in, make, uh, make the day better and uh, just really help bring a lot of perspective. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I'm so always so glad to talk to you too. And I can't wait to get this out there and, and see, uh, we'll have a part three coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course.